What's going on, everybody? Um, I've been watching a lot of Rick and Morty. That's what I used to fall asleep at night. It's funny because I'm like missing like I want to say like a lot of season one because I watched the, the very first two episodes and I fell asleep and I let the thing keep going. And by the time I woke up, it was already on season three. That's all I got for you. Make sure you follow me. Punch the mouth official on Instagram. Official underscore PITM on Twitter. Peace, guys. Later. Everybody's well. Bellator 300 in the books. UFC Fight Night in the books. Now we look forward to November 17th in Chicago. Although Ariel did say yesterday that there are rumors that there are talks that Bellator 301 may not happen because they don't know who's going to front the bill, whether it be the new owners or Viacom. I have asked. Let's see if they get back to me. I don't know if they will, but we will see. But before we get into the results and all that stuff, I will say this. Journalists have been saying that they wanted the Katzingano-Chris Cyborg fight to go on last because they supposedly built that card around that fight. Of course, it was originally supposed to be Linton Vassell. And Ryan Bader, I sound like a broken record at this point saying this because I know I've said it multiple times. Linton Vassell had to drop out due to illness. Hold up. <clears throat> due to illness. But um, I don't mind. I'm actually glad that they ended with the Umar and Umar Usman and premise fight because think of it, man. Those are two homegrown, well, homegrown in the sense that they never fought in the UFC. Do you think Bellator, for what could be their last event, wants that perception that their main event was two UFC vets? I mean, because I'll tell you what, Chris Cyborg would probably be featherweight champion. The only fight out there for her besides Amanda Nunes is Kayla Harrison. Okay? Like, let's not get that twisted. And a lot of people say, well, Amanda beat the brakes off her. Amanda clipped her and then Chris went in and I'm not trying to take anything away from Amanda because Amanda did what she had to do. She went in and Chris got clipped and then she went in wild. I guarantee you if this Chris Cyborg were to fight Amanda Nunes, I can't guarantee you Chris Cyborg would win. I can guarantee it would be a different fight. I can guarantee you I would want to see the third, the fourth round because I believe that's when Cyborg is her most dangerous. The first round's like, it takes her a while to get going. And then rounds three and four, that's where she turns it on. Now we're going to go into the results of Bellator. And then we're going to go into this article I found. I almost dropped my microphone. <clears throat> I do apologize. Can't believe that just happened. But hold on. <clears throat> and again, they overdid it with the um, prelims that they had to have post limbs, bro. And they were all decisions. Look, Jackie Catalin defeated L Lorani Santos. Dimitri 
Harry Sentico defeated Justin Montalvo. Bryce Meredith defeats Miguel. Permi Burt. That was all the postlims, and they were all unanimous decisions. And they, and the only reason they had postlims is because a lot of these prelims went to decisions. Like they had, they had one, two, three, four decisions on the prelim. And the main card, of course, you had Liz Carmouche. <clears throat> you had Liz Carmouche versus Lee McFarlane. You had Chris Cyborg versus Kat Zingana. And you had Usman Nurmagomedov versus Brett Primus. Now, this Liz Carmouche, Lee McFarlane fight, it seemed like a spar. Now, for those that don't know, Lee and Chris, Liz were, cha- were training partners for the longest. And then once... Liz went to Bellator. She's like, okay, well, I'm going to go somewhere else and start training somewhere else. But it looked like a sparring match. And I think she knew that Alimale's knee was compromised. I believe that's why Alimale missed weight. She, like, ever since she lost the belt, like, she had this up and down career. And I believe, because I remember her saying that this was going to be her last fight. I believe Alimale's going to retire after this. So we'll see what happens. So Chris... Liz won. Why do I want to keep saying Chris? At 17 seconds of the fifth round. Again, it was an underwhelming fight, but they were friends, man. I get it. You don't want to punch your friend in the face. Chris Cyborg defeats Ked Zingano at four minutes and one second of the first round. I mean, (laughs) I kind of felt that's what was going to happen because... Again, Chris Cyborg is on her own level. The only person that could probably match her intensity, there's actually two girls. It would be Amanda Nunes and Larissa Pacheco. So that's what I'm saying, you know, like Larissa and Amanda were able to match Cyborg's intensity. So they were able to, they, they should be able to compete with her. Like that would be, that's what's interesting about this whole Bellator Merging with PFL, you know, that besides the Kayla fight, I think the more interesting fight for Cyborg is Pacheco, but I don't know if they have a relationship. I don't know because not all Brazilians get along with all Brazilians. You know, they try to, but we shall see, man. I mean, case in point, Amanda Nunes, you know, there was really bad blood going into that Chris Cyborg fight. But I don't know if the bad blood was from Cyborg with her feud with Dana, because you know how her and Dana didn't get along. And now the fences seem to be manned because she's like, I forgive him for everything. I don't have to get along with him. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I honestly believe there's a door for Cyborg to return to the UFC because then they would build the featherweight division around her. But then again, she's already, I believe, 37. Is that something the UFC is going to want to invest out of somebody that's probably going to get a good year minimum, uh, three years maximum? Because I don't see her fighting past 40. She doesn't need a fight anymore. She's the best. There's only possibly three fights left for her, which would be Larissa Pacheco, Kayla Harrison, and a rematch with Amanda Nunes. And Amanda Nunes says she's done, so I don't think that rematch is happening. And of course, Bellator did tease a fight between her and uh, as soon as I see her name, I'm going to remember. Leah McCourt because she defeated Sarah McMahon. So they teased the fight with that. But then again, like Ariel said, there's a rumor that Bellator 301 might not even happen. So we have to wait and see what happens. 
But look, I found this interesting article. Well, not an article. It's information MMA fighting got on what fighters wage fight night. Let's listen to the title. Bellator 300 fight night weights. Four fighters gain more than 20 pounds. Four guesses on who they are. I'll wait. Okay, you 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 haven't guessed? I'll tell you. Liz Carmouche initially stepped onto this guy at 124.8 pounds for 125-pound title defense against Elimele McFarlane, which she won via fifth-round TKO. Carmouche was one of the four fighters who gained more than 20 pounds between weigh-ins and fight night for October, the October 7th card, the biggest of whom was Primus, who shot from 154.8 pounds to 180.6 pounds for his lightweight title challenger against Usman Nurmagomedov, a staggering sum of 25.8 pounds. Henry Corrales, 146 pounds to 171.4 pounds. And Sturgio Cosio, 156 to 176. Oh my God. But still, like, this weight discrepancy is weird. In regards to other championship competitors, Nurmagomedov went from 154.8 to 173.2, gained 18.4 pounds. And this is this. Chris Cyborg went from 144.6 to 163.4, gained 18.8 pounds against Kat Zingano, who went from 144.6 to 146.4, who only gained, like... A, 1.8 pounds. Alimale went from 126.6 to 140. She gained 13.8 pounds. Like, dude, how did you not want Chris to demolish poor Ked Zingano in one round? She almost outweighed her by 20 pounds, bro. Like, what? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny and it's dangerous. That shows you that Chris should probably at least be fighting. And, like, it's weight bullying, right? Because... This is what a Habib and all of them have been accused of. Like, how do you expect Kat Zingano to put up a fair fight? And don't come at me, well, look at Hoist Gracie. It was a different time, bro. Nobody knew what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was. Don't give me that, please. Like, how do you expect that poor girl to put on a competitive fight? Well, did you see when she went for the takedown, how Chris just twisted and got her off of her? You guys did see that, right? For those that saw the fight, I'm asking because that's what I saw. Okay, that's what I saw. And this is unfair. Like even Usman and Primus, like Usman practically gained 20 pounds because he weighed in at 154.8. And then on fight night, he weighed in at 173, basically 20 pounds heavier. But Brett Primus is a bigger of, he weighed in at 154 and practically fought at middleweight. And that shows you how dangerous weight cutting is because a lot of that's water weight because they all just gain that. But don't think they go after wins, they go stuff their face. What they're doing is that's what their body rehydrates to after cutting all that weight. That's why you see them on the scales all depleted because they haven't drank anything for like a day, day and a half because they have to cut water weight. Like they're not. I don't want people to think they're stuffing their faces. Okay, let's go to UFC fight night, bro. Like, Jesus Christ. Bobby Green defeats Grad Dawson. Joe Pfeiffer defeats Abdul Razak Hassan. Joaquin Buckley defeats Alex Morno. 
Drew Dober defeats Ricky Glenn. Bill Algio defeats Alexander Hernandez. Carolina Kovacavich defeats Daniela Belbita. 30-27 across the board. I'm telling you guys, she got she has a new lease on life, bro. I cannot wait. The ATT is doing good for her, man. ATT is doing good for her. And I always forget to do this. Carolina Kovacavich moved from number 15 to number 14. Let's see what's next for her, man. Her and Lupi would be cool. Her and Angela Hill would be cool. But I'm telling you, the money right now is either between her and Amanda Hebas or her and Tabitha Hichi or Richie. I don't know how she says her name, but if it, she's Brazilian, so she probably says Hichi. I don't know who this Lorna Penchirohiro is. Let me see if it shows me her picture. I don't remember this girl. And she beat Michelle Watterson. All right, I'll keep a lookout. I will keep a lookout. But yeah, that 115 division is stacked, bro. Uh, Joaquin Buckley versus Alex Morno, crazy fight. Joaquin did dominate, though. And then Joe Pfeiffer versus Aldo Rezek Ahasan. That, that fight was nuts, but nowhere in that fight was Joe hurt. He put, he just like, he dominated that fight and got the arm triangle. And then Bobby Green defeats Grant Dawson. In 33 seconds, I mean, how old is Bobby? Bobby's what? He's 37, man, and he's fighting better than ever. Gives me hope, bro. It gives me hope. Bobby comes in at number 13. Grant Dawson went down five. You know what? I don't understand. Why don't they just get Bobby? Um, I get it, and I don't understand. Because then you give the notion that, oh, well. If I beat that guy, if like, if, for example, if Grant Dawson's next fight, if he somehow gets to fight Dustin Poirier and he pulls it off, he'll go from number 15 to number three. So let me see. So right now that I'm seeing his name, Hinata Moicano had things to say about Bobby Green. And Hinata Moicano's coming into his own, man. I like his trash talk. Like, he's learning English. I like his trash talk. Let's see. It's right here. It's right here. Bobby Green responds to call out from top lightweight after knocking out Grant Dawson. Green proved that age isn't a factor in his career trajectory. Bobby Green has no shortage of potential next opponents after picking up a massive main event win this weekend. Green stunned the UFC world on Saturday night when he knocked out a heavily favored Grant Dawson in just 33 seconds. The 37-year-old Green wasted no time. Pressuring Dawson with boxing, overwhelming Dawson, and getting the quick finish. Despite the wear and tear of his long career in MMA, Green seems to be finding his stride with back-to-back -back finishes. As his success rates continue to impress, he's attracting the attention of some ranked contenders, including Hinato Moicano. In recent tweets, Moicano shot a shot to fight with Bobby Green. He wrote in all caps, too, so it reads like this. Bobby Green, I'm trying to destroy you. It didn't take long for Green to reply to Morcano's call out. These are Bobby's words. Tell that guy to suck it, Green replied to Moicano. He wants the big money. He wants to fight. If it's not to Moicano next, he'll get slept too. Moicano has won three of his last four fights, but hasn't competed since a first round finish of Brad Rydell at UFC 281. After his previously scheduled fight with Armin Sarukian early this year was canceled due to injury. He's nearing a return to the octagon potentially as soon as UFC 296. I mean, that's a good fight. That's a good fight. 
I believe if Bobby keeps it on the feet, he beats him. And then I believe if Moicano gets it to the ground, that's where he wins. But none of these guys, Moicano's not a slouch on the feet, nor is Bobby. As you saw, he choked out Tony Ferguson, and Tony Ferguson's a black belt, okay? And Tony's not just any black belt. He's a black belt under Eddie Bravo. And like I told you, there's levels to black belts by who gives them to you. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, man. We shall see what happens. Let's talk about my boy, Bohashinha Pablo Costa. So Paulo went, well, no, this was, it was either Saturday or Sunday because I did see these pictures. They did not look good. Like Paulo had got some type of infection while training in Brazil and then like re um, aggravated when he, because he's been in Abu Dhabi for like a month already training for the Hamza Chimaya fight for UFC 295. No, 294. I'm saying 295 because that's the November event. Because I was going off to December and I'm, for whatever reason, I'm thinking that these fights already happened. Paulo Costa may not. This is how it starts. Hold on. Maybe I'm missing something at the top. Paulo Costa clears up injury <coughs> concerns. Vows to beat up Hamza Chimaev despite recent surgery. Okay, I wasn't. Paulo Costa may not at full strength heading into UFC 294. I'm pretty sure it meant to say Paulo Costa may not be at full strength heading into UFC 294, but that's not what it says. But that isn't stopping him from putting it all on the line for his grudge match against Hamza Chimaev. Costa, okay, so it was Sunday that I saw this because I'm like, I know I saw it before Monday, but. Costa revealed late Sunday night on social media that he underwent surgery on his right elbow five weeks ahead of the scheduled October 21st bout against Shumayev. Costa shared several grisly images of his injury and said he received 10 stitches to fix the damage in his elbow, prompting widespread concern that his co-headlining fight could be in jeopardy. So is Costa still fighting Shumayev at UFC 294? Yes, definitely yes, definitely yes, Costa said. Monday on the MMA Hour. Costa has been in Abu Dhabi to acclimate for UFC 294 for the past four weeks. He said he had an initial small medical procedure done on his elbow back home in Brazil two weeks before he flew out for the fight, and that procedure was supposed to correct the, the issue. However, once he arrived in Abu Dhabi and resumed hard training, Costa said his elbow flared back up in a bad way. He explained that the injury began as staph infection and ultimately diagnosed as Bursi infection by doctors in Abu Dhabi. And the immediate surgeon was deemed and that immediate surgery was deemed ne necessary. Once doctor understood how bad his elbow had gotten. When the doctor told me it was necessary to open up my elbow, I was with my team Eric Alberacine, Tamara. Everybody was there. And I just asked the doctors how long it would take to remove these stitches. Costa said, they said, okay, we are five weeks to the fight right now. And you need to stay with stitches in your elbow for two weeks. So after two weeks, we're going to remove them. And we're left with two weeks for you to train. I said, <laughs> I said, that's good. That's good news. That's enough. Two weeks is enough to train because I am in shape. I am ready. I came ready for this fight. I've been calling out this guy to fight Gourmet Cheshen a long time ago. You know that? I was on your show when I was talking about him, and I chased this guy. 
And I know he wants one excuse to get out of this fight. He doesn't want that fight. I want this fight so bad, I will not let him escape so easily. I just ask them, please, please keep me in this fight. I even asked the doctor to not let the UFC know, but that was not possible. So they reported everything to the UFC. The UFC are worried about me because of the surgery he added. I took 10 days off to get the procedure in Brazil. Here I took 14 days off before and after the surgery. So they're a little bit worried about my health, but I'm sparring. I'm doing everything. Costa 32 was still wearing a badge of honor over his surgically repaired elbow, along with a medical rep throughout Monday's interview. Nonetheless, longtime coach Eric Albergsen expressed confidence in Costa's ability to make the necessary preparations for his looming, for his looming dance day with Chimaev. I can tell you he's been looking great, Albergsen said. Even when he had the stitches, he was training. He wasn't using his right arm. Once the stitches came out, we went right bang into it. Sparring, he looked awesome. I brought some of the best guys in the world into camp. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, Mongolia. I traveled all around the world and to Japan to find these partners, Olympic wrestlers, everything. Costa faces a big test when he meets Chimayam in Abu Dhabi at Ihath Arena on UFC 294. You see, this is why Eric's my favorite coach. Look at what he does for his athletes that he like he took the GSP approach, man. Like he went and found Olympic level wrestlers. Oh, it's Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. Sorry. But look, look what he does. And then and then I, I get why people don't like he rubs people the wrong way, because in the in the interview, he like channels his inner shell son and goes, Hamzat, I have a bet for you. The winner gets a UFC title shot, and then the loser leaves Abu Dhabi forever. And that was like taking a dig at the fact that Hamza recently changed um, residency from Sweden to Abu Dhabi or Dubai. I don't know. But that was hilarious to me. Like, I guess that's why he rubs people the wrong way. But like this right here where he says, I traveled all over the world to find him these Olympic level training partners. That's why this guy's my favorite because he does a lot for his athletes. People see that the the character he is, but that's why I like Coach Eric a lot. And then Costa goes on to say, I'd like to say thank you to the UFC as well for keeping me in this fight because, bro, I truly believe if we fight 100 times, I can beat him like 99% of the fight, Costa said. I have all the tools to beat this motherfucker. He's a wrestler. He has nothing for me. He has a big head, long arms, slim body. He will do nothing against me. I would defend his first takedown and I'm going to knock him out. So I want this fight so bad. That's why I'm still in this fight. I did a surgery, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to be in there anyway. Like, this dude is so confident. Like, the only thing that's like is Hamza goes in there and beats his ass. It's over, bro. Like, people are going to be like, yo, Paulo, what the hell, man? You said you could go out there and beat him. But, yeah, these guys. Dude, I cannot wait for this press conference. These guys do not like each other, bro. They don't. And then from a quick Google search, per se, is a painful condition that affects the small fluid-filled sacs that cushions the bones <laughs> and muscles near your joints. Per se occurs when... Oh no, the fluid filled sacs are called bursae. The the condition is called bur okay, sorry, let me reread that. Bursitis, bursitis, bursitis. 
bursitis is a painful condition that affects the small fluid-filled sacs called bursae that cushions the bones, tendons, and muscles near your joints. Bursitis occurs when bursae becomes inflamed. The most common locations for bursitis are in the shoulders, elbows, and hips. Ow. But Paulo's ready, bro. Paulo's ready. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to fight. I don't care. Let me die. That's basically what he said. Okay. Moving on to the next story. Substitute Derek Lewis to fight Jolton Almeida. This is from Brett Akamoto. UFC heavyweight Derek Lewis has signed to replace Curtis Blades in the main event fight against Jolton Almeida. Sources confirmed on Monday, Lewis just signed a new deal after fighting out his contract in July. The new heavyweight matchup will headline the UFC fight night on November 4th in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Almeida and Lewis are currently ranked number 9 and number 10. Respectfully, by UFC. Lewis is far more established, having fought in the UFC since 2014, and he holds the record for the most knockouts in the promotion's history. Almeida, however, comes riding a wave of momentum. The 32 year old heavyweight is 4 0 in the UFC with four finishes, three of which came in the opening round. Most recently, he submitted Rosino Rosenstrike in May. Current heavyweight champion John Jones is scheduled to defend his title against Stipe Miocic. At UFC 295 in November. <laughs> if Almeida wins, he would enter title contention alongside Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. I mean, okay, let's look at this. Did they say why Curtis Blades pulled out? Um, I will, I'll figure it out Wednesday. Where are my rankings? Here they are. Oh. I mean, Jolton Almeida's the man, but if Douglas could crack him, it's over, bro. You wouldn't guys wouldn't think so? I would think so. It's over. But we'll see what happens there. Let's look at some current events. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Going back to the Paulo story. Apparently a fan. That's not a fan. That's Alan Joban. A fan. Too soon, Paulo Costa fans panic after fighter with same scar issues. Dire warning ahead of UFC 294. This is Alan Joban. Did Costa say what the surgery was from? Because it looks like bursitis where they removed it i've got the same scar and i tried coming back too soon and opened the whole thing up and had to get it restitched three weeks later and it goes on to say um i don't know man paulo's a different animal like a lot of people laugh at paulo because of how funny he is but that dude is just a different freaking animal let's read about this one <laughs> <coughs> Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou pay-per-view price revealed ahead of October 28th showdown. Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou will battle it out in one of the most talked about fights in 2023 with the boxing match set for pay-per-view on October 28th. The cost of the fight was finally revealed on Tuesday with Fury versus Ngannou priced at $79.99. <laughs> with the event airing on UFC... Uh, uh, UFC ESPN Plus pay-per-view as well as traditional pay-per-view outlets. The price matches typical cost for a UFC pay-per-view, which was raised from $79.99 this past September as part of the promotion's overall deal with ESPN. The fight will serve as Fury's first action since he wiped out Derek Chisoria with a TKO in the 10th round when they clashed this past December. The fight with Ngannou will be a professional bout that will go on both records, but Fury's WBC title will not be up for grabs. 
Of course, Furious already signed on to his next fight after Ngannou with the Gypsy King slated to face Alexander Yusek in either late 2023 or early 2024. As for Ngannou, this will be his professional boxing debut after he left the UFC as heavyweight champion following the end of his contract. Once he hit free agency, Ngannou inked a multi-fight deal with PFL for his MMA career. And then he's got his dream fight when he signed to face Fury in October. The battle between Fury and Ngannou will take place at Radida, Saudi Arabia, on Saturday, October 28th, with a full card and bout orders still to be determined. The pay-per-view broadcast is scheduled to kick off at 2 p.m. Eastern. I mean, like, it like it just depends. We like if you if you have the money and you want to watch it, watch it. If you don't, don't. Like if you have to pick and choose, like. If you're a UFC fan, would you rather see John Jones versus Stipe or would you rather <laughs> Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou? Like, it just comes down to what you want to talk, what you want to look at. Chris Cyborg explains verbal altercation with Kaz Ngannou after Bellator 300. Bellator featherweight champion Chris Cyborg has no ill will towards Kaz Ngannou after their Bellator 300 cast, but the feeling apparently isn't mutual. An emotional Zingano could have could be seen having a verbal altercation with Cyborg moments after being stopped in the first round of Saturday's co-headliner. Cyborg later revealed what it what was said. Usually, I don't hate my opponent. Cyborg explained in a post-fight press conference for Bellator 300, which took place at the Pachanga Arena in San Diego. I just said thank you to her for accepting the fight to fight each other. Then she said, "I don't want to be your friend." She was saying something like. I was a stalker, something like this. The reality is she started this. She started saying bad things about me, and then I don't know the reason she's trying to make this personal. And I don't have anything against Ked Zingano. I always promoted her in a nice way. She's the girl who beat Amanda Nunez. She was the girl who beat Misha Tate. She's a huge name in the sport, and I'm going to continue that. I'm not going to change what I think about her. It doesn't matter what happened tonight. Zingano may disagree with Cyborg's characterization of the buildup and to the fight in an interview on the MMA Hour, she detailed what she called bully behavior from the champion after she signed with Bellator. At one point, someone purchased the URL for her full name and turned it into an advertisement for Cyborg's accomplishments. I just thought it was weird. And like, what is that? Like a sociopath? Why are you constantly thinking about me? Why are you constantly messing with me? Zingano asked. It's weird because I want to beat the shit out of her the second I see her. Which I don't want to get in trouble. The other one is like how cringy and creepy and stalkery she is. It makes me think about a restraining order. What do you do about something, somebody like that? As Bellator near Cy- 300 near Cyborg stayed away from the trash talk though, she and Zingano shared several tense stare downs on fight week. When the fight commenced, however, it was all Cyborg. The champ pushed Zingano in the clinch, shut her down shut down takedowns, and eventually landed the shot that led to the ground and pound. Cyborg appeared visibly upset as Cy- Zingano sorry, appeared visibly upset. Cyborg tried to console her in the cage after the verbal altercation. Cyborg shrugged her shoulders and celebrated with her team and what was her fifth defense of her featherweight title. You know, and I'm not trying to defend Chris because I don't know Chris, but I think that has to do with a lot of people that's around her, man. I don't know, and I don't want to be pointing fingers, and fingers don't need to be pointed. But do you guys remember, like, 
her team or whoever altered that video. And that's ultimately what pissed Dana White off. And do you guys remember the Megan Anderson thing where they said that she was here in the country illegally and whoever was control in control of her Twitter started tagging immigration? I think that's the people around her. I don't think that's her, but I think that's the people around her. And then, like, I honestly still think that Cyborg, because English isn't her first, like, she's Brazilian. Like, I still don't think that they have a hard time, like, saying, like, yo, that's not okay. Like, she probably just sees it as funny, you know? But, again, it could be Cyborg, but I think it's the people around her for the, the reasons I just gave you. One more and we're out of here. Oh, we'll end with this one because I did see this one earlier, but. Gordon Ryan details training with John Jones. Explain how he's a lot like GSP. For those who don't know, Gordon Ryan is the man in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition. John Jones has put up the bad signal ahead of his first UFC heavyweight title defense. The MMA community was recently caught up guard by side of John Jones working with his fellow combat sports legend Gordon Ryan. Ryan is considered by most in the Jiu-Jitsu world as the greatest non-gi grappler on the planet and arguably the greatest ever. Therefore, pairing up together with the arguably best MMA fighter ever makes for some scary potential. Ryan revealed when speaking with Morning Combat that Jones reached out to him through Instagram, setting up their pairing. While it doesn't necessarily consider himself a coach, he doesn't necessarily consider himself a coach. Ryan admits to teaching John Jones in the jiu-jitsu realm. Mostly, Jones has been created with the process and picks and chooses with a general idea and direction of what he wants to do in training. For Jones, the collaboration comes ahead of his dream matchup with Stipe Miocic at UFC 295 in Madison Square Garden. Stipe, there's nothing really special that he does as an MMA grappler, Ryan said. He's not bad, but it's not like he has an amazing ability to hip heist or an amazing triangle or armbar or gets mounted on you. Or gets, yeah, or gets mounted on you. It should say gets mount on you. You're never going to get up. It's kind of like a good generic all-around guy. He's kind of like a good generic all-around guy. So I think that obviously John studied a lot of tape on him as well. And at this point, John is just interested in doing things that he wants to improve upon as an athlete himself. If there was one thing that Stipe did that was dangerous to John or that I think could give John problems then I would force John in those positions. But Stipe is not known as a super dangerous grappler. So I think overall, John is just trying to improve as an athlete. Miocic will be only Jones' second opponent in, since February 2020. Where Miocic, for Miocic, Jones will be his first since losing to Francis Ngannou in March of 2021. Jones has dabbled very briefly in grappling competitions with the notable, most notably taking on Dan Henderson. In the 2016 Submission Underground match that made this, the same year he competed twice in Naga, Phoenix, winning both of his matches with guillotine. Yeah, man. I wonder if Gordon's going to be in his corner. I doubt it. That'd be cool, though. And it'd be cool, man, because, look, Gordon was a part of GSP's um training camp when he fought Michael Bisping. And if this is going to be John Jones's um final fight, It'd be cool just to see them, that he was a part of two legends, his final fight camp. That That's just cool to me. But that's all I got for you guys. Make sure you follow me, Punch the Mouth Official on Instagram, official underscore P-A-T-M on Twitter.
I did make videos for Sick New World and my experience at the Asking Alexander sponsor this past week. So I'll try to get those out to you guys no later than Thursday. Peace, guys. Later.